Hi, it's Emma from the Jack FM News team. Whether you're listening to this podcast because you want to know what's going on in Oxfordshire during the coronavirus pandemic, or you've stumbled across it by accident, you're here now, so make a brew and get comfy. Plus, we are in lockdown, so you may as well. Right, here's just some of the people you're going to hear from in this podcast. An Oxford doctor who was kicked out of his flat by his landlord over her fears of getting the virus. The chief nurse of an Oxford hospital trust who's launched a major recruitment drive. And a teacher in Oxfordshire who's got some advice for parents teaching their kids from home. But first, the police have been carrying out patrols across the country this week, asking people if their journeys are essential. So what's Oxfordshire's police force doing? Let's hear from John Campbell, the Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police. He's concerned about a rise in domestic abuse during lockdown. From a policing point of view, we recognise that we are moving into uh, different areas of enforcement in a way that we historically haven't been and that the public are anxious about this. Uh, What I'd be saying to my officers is that we want to approach this with common sense uh, and with empathy uh, and we will encourage and advise members of the public to comply uh, but we will enforce where necessary. And it's very important that we do take those steps where people are willfully failing to comply with the law. I mean, I would anticipate that the vast majority of people will comply because we are seeing that already. Then there'll be a group of people that perhaps are thoughtless and need encouragement and advice about the new uh, way that we want them to behave. And then there'll be those that are willfully disobeying. And certainly that's where our focus will be around enforcement. But if that doesn't work and we have to look at increasing enforcement, then that's what we'll do. Because ultimately it's about protecting all of our communities from this virus and, as I say, protecting the NHS. I think you can see as you go around uh, the three counties that uh, there is less traffic on the road, certainly out of work hours. Um, there are less people about. Uh, we have had instances already where some of officers and PTSOs are intervening with, with groups, sometimes young people, uh, and advising them of the advice that's come out prior to the legislation being passed. Um, so, as I say, I think the most, most people will, will comply, uh, and that's what we hope and anticipate. Uh, we are have, an, have officers and staff that are self-isolating, as other organisations are, but we are maintaining our resilience and we are still responding to calls from the public. Uh, we are obviously prioritising some of that work uh, and we are redistributing officers and staff around the organisation. But there'll be some parts of the organisation where if they don't have to be in in work, then they're complying with the government advice uh, accordingly. We are looking at triaging a little bit more in our control room, so when members of the public contact us, do they really need to see a police officer at that time? Uh, do they really need to have a, a police responder come to them? Because obviously the police have a role as well to make sure that they are doing as much as they can to prevent any transmission of the virus, and we are adopting working practices that support that. At the moment, we are seeing a reduction in demand for some of the more traditional things that people call us about. So, for example, you'll appreciate with the reduction in the nighttime economy, pubs, restaurants, cafes, we are not seeing the demand around that. And obviously, people are more in their homes. So, we, we are seeing different types of policing response uh, emerge and, and will be required. We are seeing and we are monitoring very closely uh, issues around domestic abuse. We anticipate that that might increase and we will deal with that robustly in the way that you would expect us to. And at the same time, we are offering advice and guidance about some emerging patterns around fraud, particularly when people are spending a lot of time online uh, and and encouraging people just to have due regard to those kind of uh, fraud scams that may be taking place as as some, uh, you know, criminals decide to to change their behaviours as well. That was John Campbell, the Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police, talking to us about what the force is doing to enforce government guidelines. 
Also, there have been claims NHS staff, including frontline doctors and nurses, aren't being provided with enough personal protective kit. Annalisa Dodds, the MP for Oxford East, brought this up in Parliament this week. She told me she's been contacted by concerned local NHS workers. First of all, I was determined to ensure that we had a discussion about testing capacity and also the provision of personal protective equipment because I've had very large numbers of NHS staff locally contact me to say that they're not being provided with the protective equipment that's necessary and in addition they're not being tested when they have symptoms even though they may not have the virus. We are told that additional tests and protective equipment are coming, but really that needs to hurry up very substantially because it's not feeding through to the front line yet. So I I made sure that was mentioned. Also, some of the problems around construction workers, for example, and other workers where they're not really clear on what the advice is. And even in Oxford, I've seen some people appearing to not follow social distancing. Um, Really, really important that that changes. So I was pushing central government for clearer guidance on that. Going back to the protective equipment then, what are your concerns if it does carry on taking a little bit longer um, for the staff to be able to get hold of it? Well, obviously, our NHS staff are working incredibly hard around the clock to care for people who have coronavirus, but who have lots of other conditions as well, as per usual. And I am concerned that if they don't have the right equipment to protect them, that's unnecessarily putting them at risk. Now, we've been told additional supplies are coming through. Apparently, the army is being actually drafted in to deliver some of this, and there will be a helpline for staff to call if they don't have the right equipment equipment but really we need to have more clarity about you know whether this helpline's already up and going whether it's resulting in change already how much additional protective equipment is being provided and you know when it's going to get to Oxfordshire and the rest of the country because this is really critical now. Next, incredibly, hundreds of thousands of people have signed up to volunteer for the NHS this week. Staffing shortages due to the pandemic is an issue locally too, which has led to an Oxford Hospital Trust launching a major recruitment campaign. I asked Chief Nurse Marie Crofts from Oxford Health who can apply. Can I just thank all our wonderful staff at Oxford Health because I think that's really important. They're all really stepping up to the mark um, in their response to the national emergency and their commitment, to be honest, is incredible. So we're launching this campaign because we're really keen to hear from local people who find themselves uh, without employment um, because of the current situation. So we're asking people to come and work for us in a variety of roles, whether that's care work, uh, administration, IT, cleaning, portering, any roles whatsoever. We'd really like people to get in touch with us because we really need their help and support at this time. Why are they needed? Um, as people know, we're in a, in a national emergency. We've obviously um, dealing with patients that um, will be positive for COVID-19 and also the self-isolation and staff will become ill, so our workforce will be depleted. So what we're trying to do is obviously um, support our local communities and get our communities in to help and support us. How much of an impact has the outbreak had on staffing at Oxford Health so far? 
so at the moment, it's not too bad. We're obviously having um, daily escalation calls in terms of our staffing and what's happening across our organisation, um, and that's escalation calls up to our executive team. But we really want to move at pace at employing people um, before things get even worse. So um, we're looking, as I say, to um, get people in as far as possible, as, as early as possible. And I'm assuming then the people that you're looking to employ then need to have a background in the role that they're putting themselves forward for? No, not not at all. I mean, the roles are key worker roles. So obviously NHS roles are key worker roles. What we're saying is even if you've had no experience at all in any of those roles that I've mentioned previously, please, please still contact us. We've got teams on standby to fast track applications. And even if people haven't got any prior experience, then we really still want to hear from them. And how many people are you looking to hire? We're just putting our um, putting this um, uh, out to people, and we'll see what we get. And we're just encouraging every, anybody that finds themselves in um, with redundancy or without work to come to us and see what we can do. So we haven't put a number on this at all. And what measures are in place to protect staff at the moment? Uh, so we've got we're taking all the national guidance really seriously and implementing all the national guidance that, as you can imagine, is coming through on a daily basis. Uh, staff have got um, personal protective equipment where they do need it, um, and that's very clear in all the national guidance when they do need it. Um, but we're supporting staff um, as much as we possibly can to to obviously have the right equipment. Sticking with the NHS, an orthopaedic surgeon working at the JR Hospital and Nuffield has told our journalist Alex Meakin how his landlord kicked him out because she was worried about the risk of getting COVID-19. Joseph Alsoso rented a room in Headington for five nights a week. I'm living with him uh, in a room or renting a room in uh, Oxford, uh, Headington area uh, for the last year. Um, I use this room to stay during the week um, to do my work as a, as a surgeon. And there has been no problem so far until the corona outbreak started. I stay Monday to Friday and I leave uh, the week for the weekend to my family home in, in the world. The landlady has been anxious the week before she asked me to leave about the news um, of the coronavirus spreading in, in, in the United Kingdom. Um, I did my best to assure her and uh, we agreed on measures to reduce the risk, such as, you know, hand gels, uh, washing hands when we come home, change clothes. Um, and I even offered to wear um, masks and gloves in the house and confine myself to my room if that's uh, any, you know, if that can assure her. Um, uh, and we thought none of it until um, I went home and I received an email saying um anxious and worried about the risk that I can bring coronavirus home uh, being a doctor um, and she's given me a notice to leave as per the contract. When I went back to work on Monday I was I was surprised to um, when I went home to see her waiting for me and asking me to leave immediately and she doesn't want to wait that 28 days notice for the contract. I waited for a day and the same thing happened next day and it made it impossible for me to stay. So I had to pack my stuff at eight o'clock and drive, drive home uh, the same night. So what's happening now? Um, so I, I left home. I'm, I've asked my colleagues at work to cover my uh, my shifts and my duties. Um, phoned around uh, the days after that to find a place to stay. 
Um, I have to say the public support has been amazing. Most people have been very good. Um, I did review a couple of rooms and I made them aware of the situation. Um, and I, I found a place to stay from next week. So for, for this week, I'm staying with a friend uh, not far from my, where I work so I can do my job this week. What do you think of your landlord's decision? I mean, obviously, it's a, a time of high high stress and high tension and and people are, are getting carried away but do you, do you understand it to a to an element or I do understand that most people are anxious and worried about um, the coronavirus uh, spread and the risk to their lives to a certain degree I do understand that she thinks I'm a risk because I, I work for the NHS and I could bring the uh, virus home but on the other hand she also works in a school so she could bring it back home to me I don't think m- Maybe in a lodger in a house um, increased her risk any more than uh, a member of the family who might have been living there for a year or so. Um, and certainly the evidence we have is if a member of family is, is, is a worker, they, they don't increase the risk. And I don't see how a lodger is different to a member of the family. And what did it mean to you as an NHS worker, obviously in the thick of the biggest crisis that the NHS has ever faced, to not be able to exclusively focus on your work and have have to worry about this going on in your home life as well? It's been very uh, upsetting, to be honest. I drove home for three hours and didn't get home till after midnight and I was uh, almost in tears driving home because... um, uh, I spent my life working for the NHS and the public's been always amazing and supportive for the NHS uh, and to be kicked out by a member of the public because I'm a risk as an NHS doctor, um, it did really hit me hard. That was Oxford doctor Joseph Alsosa, who's calling for landlords to think twice before they evict in the current crisis. Meanwhile, prosecutors have warned that anyone using coronavirus coughs to threaten people could be charged with assault and face up to two years in prison. Now a local paramedic's joining calls for people to follow government guidelines and stay at home. Luke's been speaking to Trevin Rich on Jack's Morning Glory. Just go home. Just go home. Don't be silly. Go home and protect yourselves and protect your family and give the NHS a little bit of a chance of managing this. The guidelines have been set now and everybody that is non-essential should be home, staying away from everybody else. Uh, It's fixed. You can't just think, well, I need to go to work because I need to get paid. Everybody needs to get paid, I understand that. But you're putting others at risk and you're putting yourself at risk. Just go home. Under normal circumstances, we're run ragged anyway. And now the situation has escalated beyond belief. Just go home. We can't cope as it is. The NHS is going to collapse if people don't behave. Just don't, if they don't follow these simple guidelines of staying home. Don't be silly. Go home and protect yourselves and protect your family and give the NHS a little bit of a chance of managing this. I've got a wife, two children, third one on the way. I don't want to take anything home with me. Um, so obviously at the end of the day, I've got to wash, I've got to shower before I get home. Uh, I don't want to take any, any COVID-19 uh, home or anything else home. 
that they might catch or make, make them vulnerable to catching anything more serious. She suffers with anxiety anyway, but to know that what's going on at the moment, she panics that I may bring something home to the children or her. At the end of the day, you must feel like you are doing some good. Um, I'm doing my job. I'm doing my job. I'm doing what I love. I absolutely love this job. I love being a paramedic. Just go home. That was a paramedic called Luke speaking to Trev and Rich on Jack's Morning Glory, urging people to stay at home during the outbreak. Moving on to schools now, most of them across Oxfordshire are pretty much completely shut due to government guidelines, meaning some kids are being taught from home by their mums and dads. Fiona's a teacher and loves a laugh. Here's her message to those standing in as teachers during the outbreak. Here it comes. My acrostic for Corona. C. Calm. Children tune out when you shout at them. They don't. Apart from anything else, it's just rude. But don't raise your voice unless they are in immediate danger. Just keep calm. I thoroughly recommend broken record for teenagers. Definitely works. So C for Corona, calm. O, one. And today, let them teach you something. Toddlers are really quite bossy. They'll love that. And I took a maths class last week and the children did team teaching with me. They excelled at it. So we've done C, we've done O, look at the letter R, read. Teachers quite rightly are obsessed with reading. Remember, it doesn't have to be books, it could be any kind of stuff. It's online, recipes, whatever you think, just read, read every day. So we've done the letter C, done the letter O, Done the letter R. Next letter O. Own. Get some time on your own. If you've got a space and you've got a west wing or an east wing, which sadly I don't have, but if you have, fine. I don't want to hear about it. But if you haven't and you haven't got a lot of space, I thoroughly recommend the loo. I frequently lock myself in the loo to get away from my teenagers. So that's the letter O. Done the letter C. Done the letter O. Done the letter R. Done the next letter O. Let's look at the next letter in Corona. N. Never sarcasm. Children don't like it and they don't understand it. So refrain from it. Stop it until you're back in the office. Then you can go for it. Never sarcasm. And A. The last letter in the acrostic, which is Corona. Always, always remember that this too will pass. We will get back to some sort of normality. Some schools, like our ladies in Abingdon, are teaching their pupils remotely. Stephen Oliver is the principal and says kids still need to get an education during lockdown to prevent them falling behind once schools reopen. Okay, so we uh, we put in place um, a whole remote learning experience for our pupils, uh, which is built around Zoom. So through Zoom, we can teach lessons. Uh, to our pupils, and I've just done one uh, with one of my classes. It went really well. It was uh, fantastic, and we're getting great feedback from the uh, the children about how it's going and from their families. So we got that going, uh, and then we've got our uh, remote 
uh, learning platform as well. So work can be put onto that. And um, the uh, pupils are being contacted in the morning and then across the day. And the families are really getting engaged with this new way of learning. So how does it actually work? Okay, so um, we have a timetable for the day and uh, the children are contacted in the morning by their teachers. Uh, and then at various points in the day, they're invited to Zoom lessons uh, so they know when these are happening uh, and uh, and then they're taught through that. But at the same time, they're also set work that they can do um, through our uh, learning platform and they get on with that in between the Zoom lessons. Why do you think it is important that kids do have these projects and are able to learn during this quite difficult period? Well, really, I mean, I think it, it, it's essential because the um, the students would be in school at this time. So their education has to continue because if it doesn't, uh, then this could have all kinds of knock-on consequences later on. So when we all come back to school, if they've missed several weeks, maybe even months of learning, uh, that could really uh, knock a hole in their whole learning experience. So... Uh, OLA, we feel it's really important to keep everything going so that when the government lets us back, um, the, effectively the students have uh, made the same progress or, or just nearly the same as they would have done if they'd been in the school. And finally, an uplifting one to end with, as an Oxfordshire man is arranged to bike his entire village fish and chips every week for the next 12 weeks. Stephen Davidson owns the Fox Inn in Denchworth. He's been speaking to our journalist Alex Meakin. I got a phone call on my mobile by a gentleman from the village who asked me if I'd go and meet him in the village. So I met him and uh, had a chat with him, but he just wanted to do something to highlight uh, village community spirit and what the pub's there for as a hub of the community. And hopefully that his main aim was, if we got some publicity from this, was not focused on himself. That's why he wants to remain anonymous but just to uh, try and get an initiative like this going for, so that other people in situations like him who are fortunate enough to be able to do this for their community would maybe roll this out throughout the country. And the, we sort of had a chat about things, and he said, well, what I'd like to do, well, we, we came out with it together, was to um, provide a takeaway for everybody in the village once a week uh, for an initial period of 12 weeks. Basically, we're just doing fish and chips for everybody in the village. There's 171 people in the village, and we've been around canvassed everybody, and they... Uh, I think we've got 150 take-ups so far. And how did you react when he told you? Well, I mean, obviously I was pleased that he would uh, was doing something that uh, he felt was good for the community and would be positive uh, for for village life, really. Uh, no, I think it'd be good for the village, it'd be good for the community, it'd be good for the pub. And uh, basically we're in this together. We've got to uh, work together and get around. We've been very stringent on everything. Myself and my wife will go in and cook the food. We'll Obviously, we're a catering kitchen, so all the necessary uh, hygiene, etc., is already in place, so that's not an issue. And we've got four groups of volunteers of two that are from, a, from an, a, a voluntary group in the village that's been set up to help people through this time. And they will go around, go to the house, knock on a door. The people know that they're coming, knock on a door, put the uh, fish and chips on the, on the doorstep, step back 12 feet. When the person comes to the door, they'll check that they're okay, need anything, and then the person takes their food in, and obviously they get move on to the next one. 
with that in mind, obviously, from what we've been talking about and, and, and the, the fellow who set the gesture up, his, his focus was on the community. What has the, the community's reaction been to this gesture? Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, people, are, are, I think longer term for the for the whole community and for the village as well. I mean, I would say, I mean, we, were, we are in the centre of the village. Probably only about 25, 30% of the village use the pub on a regular basis. Yeah, no, I think in the long term for the country, the whole country as a whole will come together. And longer term, it'll be great once we get through this. For the latest on the coronavirus in Oxfordshire, just search at Jack FM News on Twitter or head to the Jack website. That's it from the Jack FM News team for now. Ta-ra.